you answer the question, what is the gospel? That is the topic of this episode of Wildfire Gospel Podcast. Hello and welcome to Wildfire Gospel Podcast, where the topic centers on freedom and fun in evangelism. My name is Ed Waken. In this episode, we will be discussing what is the gospel. That may sound to you like a very basic topic. However, I think many do not have a solid grasp on the simple gospel. But once they do, they realize just how easy it is to share the gospel with others. One of the many hats that I wear is that I am an adjunct professor at Arizona Christian University here in Phoenix, Arizona. And each semester I ask my students to introduce themselves and to share what they would say to a friend who asks them what it takes to become a Christian. Now the answers range from God loves everybody to you must believe in Jesus, you must be baptized, you must repent from your sins, and you must pray this prayer. And both of those extremes, and many in the middle, are just extreme. They're not really the gospel. So let's dive into a discussion on what is the gospel. I do realize that many believers need help in getting started and sharing their faith. It is certainly important to know how to present the gospel in a simple way that communicates clearly to many in our culture. You might liken this to being able to give an elevator talk where you have 30 seconds to share your idea. How would you share the gospel in 30 seconds? There's so much to learn as a Christian, but what is really essential for a person to know in order to become a Christian? That's what we need to focus on. And I like to make things as simple as possible while keeping the gospel's integrity. When things are simplified as much as possible without compromising the gospel's essence, more people will learn it, the gospel, and use it, the gospel, to tell others, which is our ultimate goal. My goal as an evangelist is to multiply communicators of the gospel, not just listeners about the gospel. So as we dive into this topic of what is the gospel, listen to what Jesus taught Nicodemus about what Nicodemus needed to do in order to be born again. Jesus said in John 3, 14 through 16, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The requirement, according to Jesus in his conversation with Nicodemus, was to believe, and that's how you have eternal life. There's no other requirement. Jesus gave no other requirement for eternal life except believe. In Jesus' response to Nicodemus' question, how do I be born again? He took Nicodemus back to the story Nicodemus would have been very familiar with in Numbers 21 about a serpent in a wilderness and Israel, and disobedience. Now, you may not be familiar with this story. So 
in Numbers 21, the people of Israel were complaining about God and Moses, uh, asking them why they've been taken out of Egypt. Why are they taken so they can't eat and can't drink and they're going to die in the wilderness? They were rebelling against God. God chose to send fiery serpents to punish the people, to get their attention. As a result, many were dying from the bites from the serpent. Here is the story in four short verses from Numbers 21, verses 6 through 9. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. Jesus makes a comparison for Nicodemus between the serpent being lifted up and himself being lifted up on the cross. Jesus told Nicodemus that the people of Israel in Numbers 21 were given a way of escape from dying when they were bit by the serpents. All they had to do was to look at the large serpent who was lifted up on a pole. They did not need to touch the serpent. They did not need to touch the pole. They did not need to get close to the serpent on the pole. They did not need to stare at the serpent. All they had to do was, by faith, look to the serpent. And that person who had been bitten by the serpent would not die. No work just faith and belief that if they looked to the serpent, they would not die. Jesus told Nicodemus that whoever believes in him, Jesus, that person would have eternal life, John 3, 15. Belief is all that was required, just as in Numbers 21. We see the same principle in Acts 16. When the Philippian jailer who was overseeing Paul and Silas asked Paul and Silas this question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Acts 16.30. Paul and Silas's response was, quote, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. End quote, Acts 16.31. Again, the answer to how do we get eternal life is believe in Jesus. In the Gospel of John, the word believe is used 98 times. It's a lot. The key verse describing John's purpose for writing his gospel is found in John 20, 30, and 31. Here's what it says. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Here again, we see the only requirement for a person to have life in Jesus, according to Jesus, is to believe. And I believe Jesus knew how to tell people to have eternal life. Believe. With this understanding that belief is all that is needed for a person to come into relationship with God, I want to give you 
three words that all begin with S to help guide us through a conversation with a purpose in order to invite them to believe in Jesus. This is, in essence, the gospel basics. Three S words. The first S word is sin. Every person who has ever lived has sinned, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what Romans 3.23 says. But what is sin and how does it affect us spiritually? Well, the basic definition of sin is to miss the mark. What is the mark or what is the goal? It is perfection and everyone falls short of that standard. Sin, therefore, is missing the mark of perfection in order to be made right before God. Sin also carries the concept of an intentional crossing of a boundary. When we sin, we violate God's standard. We are guilty and God's justice demands satisfaction. For a person to place their trust in Christ, they need to recognize that they have sinned. They have missed the mark or crossed God's standard of perfection. They need to admit it and realize that before God, they are guilty of violating his standard and their justice must be served. But salvation or entrance into heaven cannot be secured without an admission of sin. Because everyone has sinned, they are separated from God. Separation is how we are affected by sin. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. So the wages are what we deserve, and the wages of sin, what we deserve because we sin, is death. Death is to be understood as physical death, Romans 5.12, and spiritual death, Isaiah 59.2. This is all because everyone has sinned. That's the first essential of the gospel. Every person must realize they violated God's standard. They have sinned. The second S word is solution. Because every person has sinned, there needs to be a solution to care for this dilemma, this problem, this predicament of sin. One solution is to do nothing, which means that a person would die physically and eternally be separated from God, which is spiritual death, Matthew 25, 46. But Jesus is undiminished deity. He's fully God. And he's true humanity. He's fully man. And he came as undiminished deity and fully man, the God-man. Jesus, the God-man, came to pay for our sins by offering himself as a perfect sacrifice which satisfied God for our sins when he died on the cross, Romans 4.25. 1 John 2.2 says that Jesus himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Now, propitiation simply means satisfaction. Jesus satisfies God's demand for justice for our sin by when he died on the cross. It's important to note that John includes himself and his audience, which are believers, in this idea that Jesus died 
and propitiated or satisfied our sins. Okay? So it's important to note that John includes himself and his audience in this understanding, but also for the whole world. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Jesus' death was sufficient for everyone's sin for all time. Hebrews 10.12 Jesus is the solution to our sin problem. One must understand that Jesus took their place on the cross to satisfy the anger and justice of God. Romans 3.24-26 Jesus is our substitute on the cross. Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world, the past sins, present sins, future sins to be committed. Jesus is the only solution that is effective for us to enjoy life forever with him, Acts 4.12. So the first S is sin. You got to know and understand and recognize that you are a sinner. You've missed the mark. You've violated God's standard. Secondly, you've got to look to Jesus as the solution to our sin problem. The last S is step. The last of the three S words, step. Once a person realizes they have sinned against God and that they deserve death physically and spiritually, and they understand that Jesus is the solution to their sin problem provided by God, they must make a decision. The decision is a step. Now, one can choose to step forward or continue to move forward in their own philosophy or thinking about how they will be taken care of after they die. They can do their own direction, but that decision is a step towards being totally separated from God forever. That's what the scripture teaches us. But we are encouraged by the scripture to step towards Christ, not our own philosophy, but to step towards Christ as the solution to the problem, to accept that solution, to step in that direction. If we step in our own direction, we end up fending for ourselves when we are judged. Romans, excuse me, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And they will end up forever and ever separated from God. However, if one realizes they have sinned, and that Jesus is their solution and steps in his direction by placing their belief and their trust in his sacrifice, they will be given eternal life, John 3, 14 through 16. That is the essence of the gospel. We must admit we have sinned, violating God's standard of perfection. We must recognize Jesus is the solution to our dilemma, and we must step in the direction of Jesus, placing our trust and belief in him for salvation. Sin, solution, step. Three simple S words to remind us what the gospel is so we can give it quickly or an extended way or some form of each one or any one. Sin, solution, step is the essential basics of the gospel. Now I want to give a word about eternal security and assurance of salvation. It's a hot topic today for many. Let me give you my understanding. I believe the scriptures teach that once a person places their trust in Jesus, that they are fully assured and secure to spend forever with Christ. I believe this based on the promises of God, not on the perseverance of men. 
I believe that we should trust in what God has said, not what we can do. Let me give you some scriptures that I think help us understand eternal security or assurance of salvation. Some we've already looked at. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Belief is all that's required there. John 6, 39. This is the will of him who sent me. Jesus is speaking. This is the will of him who sent me that of all that he gives me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. So Jesus is the one that holds, protects, and ensures that one once a person places their trust in him, it can't be lost. John 6, 47, Jesus speaking, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. It's all that's required. John 10, 28, and Jesus speaking again, and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Romans 8, 35 through 39, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's all protected by Christ. And that gives me great assurance. Romans eleven twenty nine. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God cannot take them back once he gives them. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not a result of work. So no one can boast. And 1 John 5, 11 through 13. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. So in my understanding, eternal security and assurance of salvation are not based upon our obedience, the amount of our fruit, nor on our perseverance to live godly for Jesus. It is based solely on the promises of God, not on our behavior. I do believe that fruit and obedience are to be expected and normal. That should be the normal result of belief. But I don't think there are requirements to prove one's belief, nor the amount. If our eternal life is based upon our performance, no man would be able to have security, or assurance. Titus 3, 3 through 5. The love of God cannot be earned and it cannot be lost. So I hope this podcast has helped you to understand the essence of the gospel. What is the essence of the gospel? We have sinned. Jesus is the solution and we must step towards him in faith by believing in him and what he's done. This will give us eternal life in Jesus. His love and salvation cannot be earned and cannot be lost. 
If you'd like more information about Wildfire Gospel, go to wildfiregospel.com or wildfiregospel.org. There you'll find some information on getting equipped to share your faith in Jesus naturally and freely. While you're on the webpage, you can find information about my book, Wildfire, The Fearless Spread of the Gospel, and link where you can purchase the book. Once again, go to wildfiregospel.com. Wildfire Gospel Podcast on Apple Podcasts. I encourage you to subscribe to them. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend. And if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, you'll never miss an episode. Again, I hope these thoughts have been of some benefit to you. Have a blessed day. Mm-hmm.